Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Core content this week. Here's your case. Okay, everybody, uh, we called in. I don't, I don't know if you guys had a chance. We were, we were just right around the corner. This is Johan, 84 years old. He's coming from a nursing home. Staff notified us. Uh, they noticed tarry stools sometime yesterday morning, uh, and then they decided to call us today um, at shift change. So BP 100 over 60, pulse of 100, respirations 20. Just have a history of uh, dementia, hypertension, pneumonia a week ago. The family's not in state, and he's not really been talking to us, so, um, yeah, bag of meds, you know, that's the story. Anybody have any questions? Yes, we did get a glucose. Glucose is 110. Anybody else? All right, guys. Thank you. Molina. Dark tarry stools. This is an upper GI bleed. Now there's a lot of different types of GI bleeding and you've learned them. Typically we're going to break them into two categories. Upper GI bleeding, which presents as either coffee ground emesis or black tarry stools, as in this case. That black color is digested blood. Lots of things cause this. Gastritis esophagitis, tumors, but the two most important causes of all GI bleeding, the king and the queen of GI bleeding, are both actually upper causes, peptic ulcers and esophageal varices. These are the killers. Now, we know that lots of people have ulcers, and it's not usually a huge deal. But if it's causing noticeable bleeding, upper GI bleeding, Melina, coffee ground emesis, that's bad. And then esophageal varices in patients with liver disease, alcoholics, etc. Those are also bad. Then the other less bad type of GI bleeding, those are the lower GI bleeds. These ones are usually much less dangerous. We're talking red blood from the butt. Not as big of a deal Really unstable upper GI bleeds can technically present this way too because the blood is going so fast that it doesn't have time to digest. But usually red or maroon blood from the butt is a lower bleed. So diverticulosis, colon cancer, angiodysplasias, which are little blood vessels on the colon, are lower GI bleeds. And these ones tend to be less emergent than the rapidly bleeding ulcers and esophageal varices, those upper bleeds. Now, with that said, let's go through our approach. Five steps. Step one, history. And what you're doing here, you're digging for risk factors for upper GI bleeds, specifically ulcers and varices, because those are the deadly ones for varices. Ask if they've ever been a heavy drinker or have liver disease. Remember that liver cirrhosis causes portal hypertension, which causes these huge varices, these huge blood vessels to pop up on the esophagus. You also want to ask about risk factors for peptic ulcers. So 
what are these? These are NSAIDs, like ibuprofen, right? Steroids are a big one. And then, obviously, history of ulcers. Those are your most common red flags for peptic ulcer disease. Step two, exam. Sure, abdominal exam, maybe there's some mild tenderness. It should never really be anything too impressive. If it is impressive, you probably have something else going on, maybe a perforated ulcer or something like that, or an inflammatory or ischemic bowel disease. But usually in these, the pain's pretty minimal on exam. But most importantly, what you really need to focus on is the rectal exam. It's by far the most important part of the exam. It's standard of care every time. You need to see what color the stool is for yourself. You need to see if it's guaiac positive or guaiac negative. And then in the case of lower GI bleeds, red blood from the butt, you are looking and feeling for external and internal hemorrhoids and anal fissures. Look up pictures of these if you need to, but a rectal exam is by far the most important part of your exam in GI bleeding patients. Step three, workup. You need a few things. You need to get a CBC for that hematocrit. You need to get electrolytes specifically to look at the BUN, that blood urea nitrogen number gets really high in upper GI bleeds. It's kind of replaced the use of NG tube suctioning for blood in awake, well-appearing patients. You really need that BUN. Coagulation panel, especially because not only is the patient bleeding, so you need to see if they're at risk for more bleeding, but coagulation panel will be all messed up in patients with liver disease because the liver is what makes the clotting factors. And then as we discussed last week, type and screen. In case you need to give blood for this, the type and screen makes that go really quickly, really safely. So just to review, you need a CBC, you need electrolytes for that BUN, which goes up in upper GI blades. You need a coagulation panel and you need a type and screen. Step four, treatment. And so today we're going to cover three treatments that you need to know for life-threatening upper GI bleeds, because that's when you need to give medicine to them. The first one is a proton pump inhibitor, or PPI. Pantoprazole, or Protonix, is the one that we are using at my hospital. These decrease rebleeding rates and decrease length of admission on all patients with upper GI bleeds. So everyone with an upper GI bleed gets a proton pump inhibitor. The next medicine is octreotide. But you're only giving octreotide to patients where you suspect esophageal varices. And then your third treatment and actually the single best drug you can give to anybody with a variceal bleed is antibiotics. And the reason is, is because they have other infections going on so often that will end up complicating your management of these, that if you just give antibiotics in esophageal varices, that it has been shown to save lives. Those are the big three medicines that you need to remember specifically for upper GI bleeds. You give a proton pump inhibitor in any suspected upper GI bleed. 
and then you give octreotide and antibiotics as well if you suspect that this could be a variceal bleed. After that, step five is disposition. Pretty much all upper GI bleeds come in. Anyone with coffee ground nemesis or melina, they're typically going to come into the hospital. Because remember, two of the most common lethal causes of upper GI bleeding, bleeding ulcers, bleeding varices, they need to be ruled out and treated because they are life-threatening. And so you admit upper GI bleeds. The only real question is, what about lower GI bleeds? bright red or maroon blood from the rectum, these sometimes need to get admitted as well. But you really are looking mostly at two things. First, is the patient just a high-risk person? Do they have big medical issues? Are they really old? That sort of thing. The other thing that you're looking at is if they have evidence that this is somehow a really bad lower GI bleed, specifically do they have an anemia on your CBC or are their vitals somehow unstable? Because those patients, they need to come in even if it's typically one of the less dangerous lower GI bleeds. But if they really do look great, lower GI bleeds can actually go home. That's the approach to GI bleeding. Thanks for hanging with me. If you find this stuff helpful, please tell a friend about the podcast. My email is zach at emclerkship.com. If you have any comments, questions, constructive criticism, anything like that, again, special thanks to Phil Ajay for another great intro this week. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.